Welcome to Conceive the Podcast, your resource for all things fertility, women's health and pregnancy, with your hosts, Jaya Ferreira, Chinese medicine practitioner and director of Natural Fertility Geelong, and me, Libby Morgan, practice manager and Jaya's friend. So we've got another episode for Endo Awareness Month, Endometriosis Awareness Month, and it was really important to Jaya and I during this month that we found a guest who lives with Endo and was able to share her experience with us. We're so grateful that the lovely Katrina Hamilton from the Instagram account Endo Geelong accepted our invite. Kat is a teacher, she grew up in Geelong and now lives in Mount Duned with her dog Jed. Kat was diagnosed with Endo about six years ago and in this episode we'll be chatting with her about her story with Endo and the impact it's had on her life. Welcome Kat. Thank Welcome. you for having me. So we'll get right, right into it. Um, can you share with us just a bit about your story with Endo, diagnosis, how it's yep. affected your it's life? It's a bit of a long one. Um, so I got my period when I was 13. I um, I can't remember having a period that didn't affect me in some way. When I was 14, I used to get migraines related to my period. I remember having to go home a lot. I put up with the pain until I was about, I think it was 17 or 18, and then standard story, got put on the pill. That was the only solution at the time for that. And it did help. I did spend then 10 years on the pill, which masked a lot of my symptoms. But in that time, I had a lot of bowel problems, which I had, I've got IBS, I've got fructose malabsorption, I've had a benign tumour removed from my small bowel. And it was when I was about, I think I was about 30, that my bowel specialist actually said to me, hey, do you reckon that maybe it could be endometriosis? And I'd never heard of it. And I was surprised that he had, um, which is amazing. And it got me thinking about it and then that was when I started to go down that path and actually think, hey, I think this could be something because I had actually gone off the pill at that stage and all those symptoms that were being masked by the pill started to come out, the fatigue, the pain. I was having whole weekends where I couldn't get out of bed, Mm. missing work. I don't remember having a year where I haven't used all of my sick leave, Um, things like that. So it all kind of started to come together a little bit. And then I had my first surgery and they did find it in quite a few places. It wasn't as severe as a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm very fortunate in the fact that it wasn't really severe. And I think it was because I had been on the pill for so long, not saying that's a solution, but it had kind of slowed things a little bit. And then when I went off the pill, everything kind of sped up. So they did find endo. Um, I had that removed, but at the time it was ablation surgery. So um, just the surface burnt off, which isn't the best treatment. Excision now is the best treatment that people are getting. And I didn't have that at the time. So within, I think it was about two years, it was back again. So I had another surgery and that was four years ago now. And I have actually been on the pill again for a couple of years because for me it's the only thing that gets me up. I'm able mm-hmm. to function. I can um, go to work yeah. and weekends doing things that I probably wouldn't be able to do normally. But I can tell already that it is back because the pain is really bad. The symptoms are coming back. Um, even on the pill. Even on the pill. So I'm thinking that it's definitely there. If I'm feeling it while on the pill, then it's definitely 
The funny thing yeah. about pain as well, because even when you said it wasn't as severe as what you expected, the amount of endo you have is actually not indicative yeah. of the amount of pain you have, yeah. which is interesting because you'd probably think, oh, why am I feeling so much pain mm. when it's not that yeah. severe? Yeah. And do you feel like the surgeries improved your pain? It did, but very temporarily. So my first surgery that I had, I actually was put on progesterone for 10 months after to prolong the surgery basically. And that did help, but it also I had so many other symptoms that the progesterone caused that were a lot worse than the mm. endo, mood swings, hot sweats, all those things, that it was just a horrible 10 months. And so yeah, it did help, but I don't feel like I got a long time out of it. And was the process from when your specialist said it could potentially be endo to finding a gynecologist to getting in for that surgery, was that a long process? No, it actually wasn't. And I'm fortunate that I do have private health insurance. So it was something that was quite quick for me. And it helped that you were getting a referral from another specialist. Yeah. And also the specialist that I saw, the gynecologist, I had been to previously for other issues and he got me in really quickly and did the surgery really quickly. So that was really good because I know that particularly in the public system, there is a really long wait list. Mm -hmm. And lately, given that it's not considered essential surgery, then it's yeah, which is Even really longer. frustrating. Yeah. Mm. yeah. I can't imagine having to sit there for a couple of years, not being able to function, waiting. Especially when you're still getting pain on the pill. Yeah. Yeah. And who knows what else is happening that's creating yeah. that pain as yeah, well. exactly. So endo itself, it, has it impacted your life in more ways than just getting painful periods? Yeah. For me, the biggest one is the fatigue and the bowel problems. It's impacted me in... For a long time before I even knew what it was, I was too tired to go out and see my friends when I was in my 20s and doing the things that you should be able to do. Mm. I'd make plans and then I'd have to cancel because I'd be in bed all day. I'm fortunate that I've got amazingly supportive friends who have never said to me, oh, you just keep cancelling, we're not going to bother with you anymore. They know that if I say I'm not well, that I'm not well. So it impacted that, which then made me feel like a burden. You definitely feel like a burden Mm. on people because you're being cared for and you're constantly having someone look after you and checking on you and you're cancelling things and letting people down and it becomes a a thing where you do feel like you're letting people down and it's something that you can't control in your own body but you still feel like you're letting people down. And it does bring on a lot of mental health problems as well because people become anxious in particular before their period is coming because they Mm. know yeah. I'm going to be tired. I'm going to be in pain. How much pain am I going to be in? What am I going to feel like? Will I end up in hospital? All of those things. And so they become anxious before it even happens, which obviously doesn't help any of the symptoms when you're already worked up and anxious and stressed about it. So that's been something that I've had to manage. And I think I've managed it a lot better over the last few years, knowing that it's not my fault. I've done nothing to cause it. And just taking those steps to try and ease those symptoms as much as possible, which is hard. Some girls, it doesn't, nothing helps. Besides the pain, are they also heavy and? Yeah. 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 Heavy. There's just clots. It's, it's debilitating. Just, it's, yeah. And also with mine, and I know that there's a lot of girls that have the same issue, the bowel is affected as well mm. a lot. Bladder wise, you can feel like you need to go to the toilet constantly, the pressure on your bladder embarrassing having to go to the toilet all the time I've had people say to me 
oh, you're going again. And you kind of sit there going, oh, no, they're going to notice that I'm needing to go to the toilet again and I just went 15 minutes ago. And A lot of people um, don't realise that about endo. Yeah. That, that, you know, you're more likely to get IBS, mm-hmm. the urinary problems. Mm-hmm. And that's embarrassing. It really is. It's quite embarrassing. And also hip problems. I get really bad hip problems. My lower back is constantly sore. You get the pain down your legs. Yeah, it, it's not just a heavy period. It's not just a painful period. It can be so many other things. And then with endo being found in other places in the body too, it can cause so many other issues. Do you feel like once you had your diagnosis, you were well supported? I didn't know anyone else with endo mm. at the time. So no, I kind of had this diagnosis and then went, okay, what now? And that led me to creating the Endo Geelong page because I wanted to find some other people that would understand. Um, and at the time, a lot of medical professionals didn't know a lot about it and it is getting better. But at the time, there was not a lot of support out there. Yeah. Um, and you'd go to someone and say, okay, I've got this. And they'd go, oh, yeah, I've heard of that. Really? I, I know a little bit about it. And this is only six years ago, I seven years ago. Not very long ago. No. So it has come a long way in the last seven years. but. Yeah, at the time I didn't know what to do about it. There was a lot of reading, but then also when you do research, there's a lot of incorrect information out there. Oh, absolutely, on the internet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is overwhelming for people. Absolutely, and you don't know what you're reading, you don't know if it's true. I understand what people are going through if they've just been diagnosed and they don't know anyone and they don't know where to go next. And what have been some of the beneficial tools that have worked for you or practitioners you've seen? The best thing that I did was acupuncture. That was something that helped everything. We didn't plan. No. We didn't know that was going to be the answer. (laughs) But that's Um, great to hear. Yeah, it actually really helped everything. I think sometimes people think of acupuncture and go, oh, God, needles, I can't do it. But it helped my stress levels, my anxiety. It helped my bowel, my bladder, mm. my everything, endo symptoms. It helped my cycle, all of those things, which I understand is not accessible to everyone. If it's regular, it becomes very expensive, and I know it's not accept, um, accessible to everyone. But for me, it's something that has helped the most. Mm-hmm. I haven't been for a while, but even when I was going regularly, it was just that. 45 minutes of relaxation, just lying there, just not having to do anything, think about anything, go anywhere, worry about anything. It was just lying there, relaxing, and I always came out feeling more relaxed. Were you taking herbs as well? Yeah, I was, yeah. Yeah, and that really helped as well. Natural therapies have been the best thing for me, and I know it's not for everyone, but natural therapists, naturopaths, acupuncturists have been the people that have understood endo the most which is shocking, but they've been the people that have gone, oh, yep, I know what to do. We can do this. We've got a plan, that kind of thing. And it made me feel way more comfortable about it to go to those people. And we can't get in there and remove it, but what we can do is look at your symptoms around yeah. it yeah. and support your body. Yeah, and I think that's, that's the thing you need with endo. You need somebody to say to you, I understand it, I understand you, I understand what you're going through, and here's a plan that we can try. Feeling a bit more supported, finding your team essentially. Yeah, yeah. You definitely need a team around you because it is something that don't know anyone else that's got it. It can be very isolating. And what about exercise or yoga? Does anything like that help with the pain? Exercise is one of those things that really helps 
helps me. I know that if I have got really bad period pain and it's actually a couple of weeks ago at work, it was really bad and I just spent the day walking. I'm a teacher so I can walk around and walk around the classroom. As soon as I sit down, it's back. But I know for a lot of people, the fatigue stops them from doing that. And it's one of those things you just can't win. You need exercise to help the pain. You're Mm. too tired to exercise. So you just, you lie there in pain and tired. But I found depending on how I'm going, different types of exercise work for me. So I have tried yoga in the past and that's been really good for, and Pilates for my hips and my lower back. Things like cardio generally don't work for me. It just, my body just crashes afterwards. Weights have been something that have worked really well for me as well. In the past, it just depends how I'm going. I really have to listen to my body and you really learn to get to know your body really well and how it's feeling. And I've learned now that my body has signals that it's giving me. And if I don't listen, then I'm going to crash. I'm going to be in oh, bed. Important. Um, and I have ignored them in the past and I know what happens. And there are times where you just don't have a choice but to just keep going. But if I am able to, then I will go, okay, I need to stop here. I need to not do anything. Walking is it. And where, where, do you find, um, where did you find most of your education around endo? Talking to other people, researching, like I said before, internet, you can find some really incorrect information, mm. but there is some really good information out there as well. The best thing I've found is the people that I've connected with through the endo page. Got a bit more of a community there. Yeah, absolutely, which has been really great. And it's growing. It is, yeah. yeah which is really good. Just a lot of reading. I've done a lot of reading, a lot of listening, a lot of just chatting to people. And it's been very frustrating as well. I've had some really shocking experiences with some people that you would expect to support you, medical professionals. And it can become really frustrating when you go in with a problem and they're telling you things that you know are incorrect. And you're being dismissed. Yeah, absolutely. Being dismissed and being told the amount of times that I have been told, I'll just have a baby, it'll fix it. Which is actually incorrect. (laughs) So incorrect. And I've sat there going, what? But I also think I know that that's incorrect. But if you went in there having just had a diagnosis, you don't know anyone, you don't know anything about it, you're panicking, and someone said to you, just have a baby, you might go in there going, oh, okay, all right, that's what I need to do. Maybe you don't want to just have a baby. Yeah. And then you think, okay, that'll fix it. And then you've got a baby and your endo's not fixed. So and also, what if you don't want a baby? Exactly. Yeah, it's funny some of that outdated information and can be just kind of like who you get unless you've oh. done a bit of research about who you're going to yeah. be. And I've tried to do some research on the endo page and ask people who they've seen that have been good and the feedback comes back, that, okay, these people are good and then I'll create a list and then someone will message me and say, oh, that person's gone to Queensland or they've had a baby or they're no longer working or they're no longer practicing or things happen and these people disappear and the list is constantly being updated. But then I'll get a message and say, I just went to that doctor that someone else recommended and they were shocking. I left in tears or, and it's all these different experiences. And you just, it's so hard to find GPs in particular that have knowledge and are not dismissive. Yeah. We see that all the time. Some people love this person. Some people really disliked them and it can be a personality thing it can be I guess everyone's needs are different Mm. but finding the right person for you can be really difficult yeah kind of have to 
give a few different people a go. Yeah. And I think it's really important as well, and I have posted about this, to go into any appointment with a plan in your mind what you, that you want, a list, yes, um, questions that you have. If you want to be referred to a specialist, already do your research before you go in so you know who you want to be referred to, things like that, because that's the only way to get what you need 95% of the time, it feels like. And can we talk about the poll that you put on your Instagram page, which I was shocked about and I really wanted to talk about it because I thought it was really interesting, but you did a poll about, well, chronic illness care. Do you want to talk about some of those stats that came back? Yeah, so I was just really interested because I had struggled and I know that so many other people have struggled to find a regular GP to support them with not just their endo but a lot of other chronic illnesses as well. And I just wanted to ask some questions in a poll just to see if the experiences are as bad as I thought that they were. So the first question was, um, we struggled to find a regular GP who's knowledgeable about your chronic illness. 92% of people said yes, they'd struggled with that. This was over Um, 300 votes. Yeah. Um, And then 96% said that they felt that they knew a lot more about their chronic illness than the medical professional they're seeing. And with that one, I understand that can't expect medical professionals to know everything about everything, but also expect them to be open to discussion and I learning. I think that's and a hard thing with GPs too. They yeah. sort of have to be across many different things. Yeah. And what you don't want is if they don't know a lot about it, you don't want them to be dismissive of you. You want them to be willing to learn or discuss it or listen to you. 97% felt dismissed by a healthcare professional when discussing their chronic illness which then led to the 80%, 87% of people leaving medical appointments in tears because of how they were treated. So it's which shocking is, numbers. It's shocking it. and it's horrible. Yeah. yeah, and majority of those votes were Geelong, Melbourne people, some from out of Victoria, but majority are from within Victoria. So that's shocking. That yeah, that's what I we're found it really with. shocking yeah. and really sad that people are feeling like that Yeah, when they're going to people to help them. Yeah. And that's obviously the first person you go to when you need a referral or you suspect you've got endo, they're your first port of call. And if they're dismissing you straight away and you're leaving in tears, where do you go from there? That's why education is so important and it's so important for people to know what's available to them. Yeah, yeah that's my biggest thing, education. My goal eventually is for, because I am a teacher, teenagers to know about endo from a very young age within their health education so that if you are 13 14 like I was and you are having horrendous pain you can go this is normal I know this isn't normal because I've been taught about this Mm, instead of spending their teenage years suffering then getting to 20 getting put on the pill spending another 10 years like I did and then not getting a diagnosis until they're 30. And essentially knowing more about other tools they can use for pain management. Absolutely not just popping neurofen which (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> Which, yeah. Some of us, it's, yeah. So we've got sometimes. But, yeah, education is something that is really, really important. And your page, Endo Geelong on Instagram, is just so full of so much information and I really loved all the real-life stories that you've got on there too as someone that doesn't have endo, just yeah. to be reading about that and learning about people's experiences. Yeah. And that's the other thing. Right. It's important for other people to know about it as well, not just mm. people with endo if you've got a partner with endo, things like that, to find out more about it 
and why they're like this because often people will say that their partners aren't understanding and they'll be saying, oh, you're in bed again or you're tired again or, you know, this is affecting me, things like that, whereas asking questions, finding out more about it is really important so that you know, even with friends, family Mm -hmm. members, just to understand what they're going through, why it is that they might be cancelling plans all of the time, why is it that they don't see themselves, things like that. And knowing that situations where your friend with endo or another chronic illness might be going to might make them anxious. They might need to know where the toilet is, things like that. Um, That's really important. And it makes you feel more supported when you have got that team that you mentioned before around you, not just medical professionals, but just people in your life that can support you and try and understand even though they're not going through it. What are some of the changes you'd like to see around the treatment of endo and management in terms of support and anything else? I would like to see more education for medical professionals, particularly at uni, so that they're coming out of uni already with that knowledge of chronic illness, not just endo. And I would like to see a change in that, in the medical professionals, so that they're not dismissive. They don't know it, that's fine. They could admit that they don't know everything, that's okay. We're not expecting them to know everything, but you expect when you go to the doctor that they will sit down and have a conversation with you and not make you feel like you're wasting their time or make you feel like you've wasted your time going there. And I think that's something that needs to change. That needs to change quickly. I think education is really important as well for people with endo in knowing that there are other places you can go. You don't have to just go to a doctor. You can go to a naturopath. You can go and get acupuncture. All of those things that are available to support Um, I think that's the hardest thing, knowing where to go first, where to go next. If you're feeling a certain way, if you say, oh, my hips are really sore, is it related to endo? I don't know. Who can I go to to ask? Where can I go for treatment? Things like that. And knowing, like you said, with pain relief, what are some other options rather than going and popping Panadol or things like that, that it's not good for you. Yes, it might be a short-term fix, but it doesn't actually help. And knowing that things like the pill, yes, it can give you some relief, but it's not the answer. And that's the thing that people are getting a lot of lately is, here's the pill, here's Zolodex, here's all of these things that will mask the symptoms, put you temporarily in menopause, things like that, make you feel all right, but it's not actually fixing it in the long run. And that's something that needs to change. There needs to be more research around it. And I know there are places doing research. And it will take time, but there needs to be more research around how to treat it and the cause of it. They just don't know. They don't know where it's come from, what starts it. Is it considered autoimmune? They don't know yet. So it's one of those things that needs to be researched because it is fairly new. And particularly with endo, the statistics are quite high in Australia. Yeah. Is it one in Well, it's just been six? revised to one in nine. One in so nine. it was one yes, in ten and now it's nine. one in nine. Okay. I was just reading about that last night. So that's, if you think. That's a big population. Yeah, room full of women. Mm. There's going to be a few in there with endo. And like we were saying before, the symptoms don't correlate to how much endo you have or the stage that they, they call it stages. So someone with stage four, say, which is quite severe, might have no symptoms. And so they might struggle to conceive, 
have surgery mm. and then they find endo absolutely everywhere and they never knew they had it. And then someone who is stage one might have horrendous pain, fatigue, things like that. And it's just one of those things that, yeah, it's really hard to know how much, how it's going to affect anything, is it going to affect fertility, things like that, because it doesn't correlate to how much is in your body. It's just one of those things that I just think you can have hardly any endo and have all of the fertility issues, egg, things like that, have all of the endo, they remove it and everything's fine. It's, yeah. And some people don't have endo and they're still in pain. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess there needs to be support for those women as well. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing all Thank of that you. with me. Thank you. It's been amazing. I feel like I've learned a lot <laughs> and just, Good. yeah. The, your page in particular, I really recommend people to go and have a look, especially if they have endo or if they're yeah, supporting someone absolutely. that does. Yeah. It's a great resource to, to learn more and to hear other people's stories as well. Yeah. And I'm always there for people who want to send me a message and ask questions. Um, quite often someone will send me a message and say, hey, can you ask the community because they don't want to ask or they're yeah. not sure. And so, so I'm great. always happy to ask questions for other people on their behalf. And if you are a partner of someone with endo, a friend, family member, and you want to know more, please come and ask. Thanks. Always happy to talk. Thank Beautiful. you so much. Thanks, Katrina. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with a friend, subscribe where you listen, or head to Apple to rate and review. You will find the show notes on our website, conceivethepodcast.com.au, and can follow us on Instagram at conceive underscore podcast where you can also leave questions for future episodes.